Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are going to preview round two. Uh, we did a round re- one recap. If you missed it on uh, Monday, go check that out, definitely. But uh, round two has started. We're recording at about 9 p.m. on Wednesday night. So uh, the Edmonton game is going to start in half an hour. So that one we haven't seen any of. Uh, as we are talking, the Devils are uh, down big to the Hurricanes uh, and obviously Leafs, Panthers and Kraken um, stars played last night. So we have game one in the books for two of the games and then the other one's 3-1 at the end of one now that I'm checking. Um, so we'll, we'll probably have most of the game one results, but we want to preview the series anyways, because uh, obviously it's going to be a long series for some of these. So um, where do you want to start here, Chase? Do you want to start in the east or the west? Let's start with the East. All right. Um, let's do Toronto and Florida then. Uh, we saw it last night. We saw game one. Florida takes a 4-2 win and a one nothing lead. And, um, you know, it's weird because uh, despite that, I kind of, if I'm a Leafs fan, I'm probably not feeling that bad coming out of the game. I mean, Bobrovsky stood on his head, made 34 saves and th- out of 36 shots. Uh you know, Samsonov needs to play a little better, but I didn't think he played awful. Um, four goals on 28 shots. But generally speaking, you know, even just the shots on goal there kind of tell the story. I thought the Leafs played pretty well, but the difference was the Panthers' big guys finished their uh, opportunities and the Leafs didn't. And I don't think that's skill-based. To me, that was just more luck last night than anything else. Yeah, I feel pretty confident with them at this point. That's the most confident I've ever felt after a playoff loss. I think it was Nick in our group chat that was saying like timeline treating this like a loss in March. Pretty funny. And like, that was the most accurate thing I've ever seen because the way I was scrolling, people were like, Oh, well, good game. We'll get them next time. And it's like, yep, that is actually like how that is less maybe reactive than some Leaf fans would have reacted in March to be honest. Yes. A hundred percent. It is. But uh, yeah, Matthew Kachuk already has three, three assists. Barkov had two assists last night, Sam Bennett, a goal and an assist. So uh, it was, it was the big players for Florida who showed up. You know, Anthony Clare has an assist. Ekblad has a point. Montour is a goal. Carter Verhage is a goal. Again, like if I named six guys to get a point, those would probably be your first six that you would guess. You know, maybe you put Sam Reinhardt in there as well. Um, but those were the big guys that got it done. And um, I, I said this in my preview. So I wrote a preview for Last Word on hockey. And, and I said, as weird as it sounds with how high offense this this Leafs team can get and we've seen them get it might be in their best interest to try and slow the game down and play that grindy style they they played at times against Tampa because I really think that the way Florida is going to win this is exactly how they played last night a they're going to need good goaltending that's that's you know obviously they're when you're an underdog you need good goaltending but I think the way they like to play is so much offense generated and so much offense given up because they know their goaltending is usually not as good anyways so if I'm the Leafs like again, Matthews had six shots last night. William Elander had seven. I don't think there's too many times where they combine for 13 shots on net and come away with zero goals. Um, but still, I think if you're the Leafs, you might want to look at, hey, can we slow this down and and choose our opportunities more? Try and frustrate Florida versus let's play a run and gun four check game against them. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent with that. Like. I was talking to a couple of people about this last night. It was it's like jarring to watch a Leafs Florida series now after playing Tampa. Like Tampa is so tight checking. Like they play what every talking head's wet dream of playoff hockey is, right? And then they also have the offensive talent to break the game. That's how you win uh two Stanley Cups and whatnot. But like Florida is just fundamentally different from that it is really really weird to adjust and the Leafs are way better defensively so if they leaned into that I I think that would be a very good idea yeah as a neutral spectator I, I almost don't want them to because I think that'd be a more boring style to watch but you know it's effective in the play especially in the playoffs when you know again yes the rate of penalties might not go down in terms of how many power plays you get a game but the rate of penalties compared to what is being um inflicted definitely goes down so you can play much easier in a defensive style game but yeah and i'm not saying yeah. dump it chase and, and it's not just affecting the playoffs like the least for a better regular season team by a lot right yeah oh yeah absolutely like, and, and yeah, yeah it's just a 
it is just an effective way to win hockey games. And um, yeah. And again, like I'm not saying they have to dump and chase everything or anything like that, because you can use your space in the neutral zone. Like Florida, like, I don't know. I thought William Nylander, uh, he's always going to have the optics issue is what I'm going to call it. And I do think some (laughs) of that is on Nylander in terms of it's the playoffs, dude. You could probably at least make it try to make it look like you're putting in a little bit of an effort defensively instead of just peeling off like he did on the Brandon, Brandon Montour. Like that dude looked like his controller disconnected, but also he was dancing in the neutral zone and offensive zone. And like the Florida Panthers don't put any pressure on you in the neutral zone. William Nylander is going to absolutely eat this series if they decide to try and keep doing that throughout the series. Yes. 100%. I think the entire team can absolutely eat in the series. Like, Matthews yeah. was just printing scoring chances. Nylander, I mean, Nylander, he's infuriating in a way because, yeah, like you said, he, he will look <laughs> optics issue is a good way of putting it because he could look infuriating and then you check the stat sheet, whatever, and he's still perfectly fine and effective. But yeah, like they're all going to get theirs if Florida doesn't change something dramatic. Yeah, absolutely. And with Nylander specifically, I think the most infuriating part maybe for people watching him is not that, you know, like obviously him being any team would take him on the team as a 40 goal score, 80 point guy or whatever. Right. Even just normal 30 goal score, 75 or 70 point guy. Right. But the talent is there to be like a Mitch Marner, Jason Robertson level, good winger, right. Where you're like putting yourself Brad Marsha and David Pasternak, the top, whoever you want to put in that top five to seven, Matthew Kachuk, you know, obviously he's not going to be playing quite a scrummy game like Matthew Kachuk, but like, the talent always looks there to be just more of a complete game. And it's just not there with Nylander. But at this point we know what he is and you just kind of have to accept that and lean into it effectively, which I would argue the Leafs have. So, um, but yeah, like I just, the fact that Matthews didn't have a goal last night blows my mind. Like he was dancing in the offense. So Nylander got absolutely robbed on that cross crease by Bobrovsky at the end of the game with about a minute and a half left. Like I, yeah, I don't like, I watched the game and, you know, they, they have, you know, they need to go get a win in game two, obviously. But if I'm definitely, if I'm a Leafs fan, you're feeling a lot better coming out of that game, losing game one than you were against Tampa, right? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Like they put up almost six XG. Um, and the only reason to be skeptical of that in the playoffs was lol. They've never won in the first round. So like, it'll be fine. Yeah, um, so uh, yeah, a couple more things I think to uh, preview here as well, and and I think we you know we kind of broke it down a little bit last time, um, also, but uh, I, well, I guess we didn't actually. We saved most of the um, previewing for this episode, didn't we? Um, I'll, I'll just write. I'll, I'll just I'm pulling up my stall as I pull up my article here, and I'll just go through some talking points that I put up, and, and you can let me know if I'm off base. You know what you think of them, and if there's any others you want to talk about. So. Um, yeah, obviously the the slowing the game down was one that I put. Uh, the goaltending matchup was another thing to keep an eye on, where it's Samsonov versus Bobrovsky. And, you know, weirdly enough, I think going into this series, you, you probably have more faith in Samsonov. But Sergei Bobrovsky also showed that, hey, this is a guy who won two Vesnas and can sometimes throw the game together like he did last night and stop 34 of 36 shots, right? So, um, you know, it's you, you can't just count him out of the series, but just given even the past two years, three years history, like I think it's not a stretch to say that the Leafs have the edge in goaltending. If Bobrovsky's going to play a little bit better than he has, at the very least it's tied. Yeah, I would I would probably be pretty comfortable just assuming it's pretty much a wash. Yeah, and like, like obviously anything can happen, but I feel like that's the most reasonable kind of projection of of it going forward. Yeah, and like my takeaway for this is kind of the same as it was last, even though you know I'd argue Samsonov did outduel Vasilevsky in the last series, but the Leafs don't need Samsonov to outduel the other goaltender. Usually, generally speaking, over a seven game series, as long as Samsonov has a nine ten save percentage and just plays good, that should be enough for this Leafs team to beat this Florida team. You know, unless yeah. Bobrovsky is posting like a 940 every night. Yeah, if he's saving four, four goals above expected per game, they're they're screwed no matter what uh, Samsonov does. But under any reasonable circumstances, yeah, that, they'll be fine with a 910. Yeah. So uh, my other, yeah, my other question was just uh, how do the Panthers kind of match up against the Leafs uh, down the middle? Uh, I think the Panthers are one of the most unique teams that might be able to do it weirdly enough, just the way they're deploying their line. So they have um, 
Obviously, Sam Bennett is not exactly an elite 1C, but he's playing on Matthew Kachuk's line, which is basically a 1C. Oh, yeah, they just dominate. And then they have Barkov on another line, and then they have Anton Lundell, who I mentioned last time, on that third line. And so, you know, I would still take obviously give the edge to Toronto there. But, um, you know, if Matthew Kachuk is going to play like this, he's going to be uh, a handful in terms of Austin Matthews to keep up with. Like, Kachuk had three points last night, right? So, um, and then you look at Tavares versus Barkov. Given even with Barkov struggling in round one, I'm still giving Florida the edge in that one. And then O'Reilly versus Lundell, I'm giving the Leafs the edge there. But again, like Lundell's not some slouch three C or anything like that either, right? So it'll be interesting to see how the Panthers kind of decide to match their forwards up. And if Toronto does any line magic, or if they just say, We're throwing our guys out there, we don't really care. Um, you know, I'm assuming they'll line their D pair up against Kachuk's line, especially. But I uh yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do b- both ways. I'm kind of hoping they hard match Matthews' line against Tachuk. I think, like, yeah, like, I, I think was, can't do it. <laughs> no, well, and I think it was Overdrive. I think it was Mike Johnson. Maybe at some I said on Overdrive last week at some point. It's like, like at some point, you can't hide an eleven point six million dollar centerman. You know, he's the best player in the Eastern Conference for a reason. You just have to say, go out and be better than the guy on the other side. You know. Yeah, like I get I get why you would shelter him. You want to give him the highest leverage, like offensive minutes you can. But and there's a lot of studies. It's like good players tend not to beat up on good players, right? Like Sidney Crosby has a career 60% goals, four percentage or whatever. Most of that is because Sidney Crosby plays great players to evens and then absolutely fucking massacres depth players. And that's true of essentially every every elite player. But if you have Matthews playing to chuck the evens. Your line should be, yeah, Tavares and line, and you know, even Ryan O'Reilly with uh, you know, if it's Young Croak and Camp or what, or not Camp, uh, Young Croak and um, uh, why am I blanking? Who would play on the right wing there? Uh, the, the third line should be totally fine too if you've neutralized the top line of Florida, right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you might even have a small edge because you can do Matthews and Marner. Mm-hmm. as well like you should you should probably be able to put yourself in a position to expect though to win those minutes plus then your power play is way better and in the playoffs you know those those things become weirdly equal um there you go that's yep. that's an edge you're happy to yep. live that way I, or i would be if i was uh plus i i think their penalty kills decent chunk better too like win on special teams and on depth play play top line to evens i, I would be fine with that yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, yeah, the defense brings the edge is kind of the other thing I had and how they're going to match up at five on five. Um, you know, I, I think you could argue Aaron Ekblad's a massive X factor for the Panthers in terms of the Leafs don't have a guy like Ekblad where at his best, he's playing 28 minutes a night, all situations. But the Leafs have about it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. But the uh, A, I'd argue Ekblad hasn't really been that guy either this year. And B, uh, the Leafs have just so much more depth from you can argue three through nine if you really want to, I think. Um, yeah. Once you get well, past even the, like Aaron Eckblatt and Brandon Montour, and even Montour, like, he's having Montour, such a good... You're not scared of him at five on five. No, I, I mean, like, he's having such a good postseason, too, where he's playing dynamic offensively on five on five. That's where I think you got to be worried about him, but you can make yeah. him, and especially his D partner, Mark Stahl, pay in their own end, that's for sure. Well, that's the thing, right? If if they want a hard match Montour, like you're not scared of Montour being hard match against any of your good players. You might score, but him and Mark Stahl are going to give a lot of shit up the other way. And you're fine with that. Yeah. Florida's I'd rather probably... have a 1 William Nylander shot for one Brandon Montour shot. He'd give me that all every day. Yeah. And Florida's trying to hide Montour from the big match or should be anyways. Like Ekblad, yeah. I think part of the reason he probably doesn't look great is he is getting the toughest matchup. So, yeah. Um, and he has to because they have no depth. Because again, the defensive thing, like Florida would die for TJ Brody, I think. Oh, yeah. Like I didn't even know who their sixth defenseman was because I knew Gustav Forsling and Radko Gudis was playing. And then I looked at Cap Friendly. It was just a bunch of dudes I had like barely heard of or had heard of, but not for really good reason. Yeah. And like I, Jenny, I don't even know if I could tell you who played as their sixth defenseman last night. I watched the whole game. I kind of forget too, to be honest. That we're saying that uh, Michael Benning. 
Josh Mahara or Casey Fitzgerald? Take your pick. I have no idea who it was, to be honest. I I think it might have been Mahara, to be to be honest. Like the fact that I have to look this up tells you everything you need to know about this, right? Yeah. Like Michael yeah, Benning's exactly. a twenty-one year old. Casey Fitzgerald's a waiver claim twenty-six year old. Like it's just yeah. So um, and yeah. Meanwhile, you have Justin. The the Panthers would probably kill for Justin Hall at this point. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And like Leafs fans want that dude shot out of a cannon. Yeah, it was Mahara. Played eleven minutes for him. Yeah, I'm sure if Twitter had their way, Justin Hall would have been publicly executed at some point in the past few years. Wait, like the Panthers have Gustav Forsling playing 25, 26 minutes in that game. Like yeah, I, I don't and know. Like, I, Forsling's I just, underrated and everything, but that's he's not, fine, but not twenty six minutes a night and expect to survive the series fine. Yeah, exactly. He's and he's one of those guys who and I think this match is kind of the eye test with him. His expected goal, like he has really good underlying numbers for the most part, especially if you go by like Corsi. But he, his expected goals against like stick out like a sore thumb, suggesting he gives up horrific shot quality, which I think lines up pretty well with what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then this wasn't on my thing, but the only other thing I'd be really interested to see is how the Panthers, in terms of when they're using their forwards, do their top guys run out of gas at all? The the schedule came out, and it's absolutely wonky. They have two days off, two full days off between games three and four and four and five. So there will be That's a lot of time weird. to rest. But um, if you had to guess the over-unders for the third or fourth line of the Florida Panthers forwards last night, uh, I'll give you a name, and then you give me – I'll set their over-under, and you tell me what you would take, Okay. We'll start with Colin White, over under five minutes. Under? Just barely under. Four minutes and 58 seconds is a total that he played last night. <laughs> there we go. We'll go to Eric Stahl, six minutes and 20 seconds. I'm going to go under on Stahl. Over, 650 is what he played, so just under seven. And then Zach Dalpe, over under four minutes and 14 seconds. Uh, I'll probably take the over on that one. Over by a total of five seconds. He played four <laughs> minutes and 19 seconds of a 60-minute game. So That's tough. Like, yeah, and like you go to the other way, the, the Leafs, it's not like their fourth line's playing a ton. Like Especially Zach Asteris, he only played six minutes and 21 seconds. But Kerfoot played just a tad under 10 at 9.56. And um, Achari, oh no, Achari, that's who was on Ryan O'Reilly's wing. Um, Camp played 10 minutes and 30 seconds. So I, I kind of wonder, obviously you're not saving guys in the playoffs or anything like that, but if your fourth line is going to be playing that little night after night, I wonder when the uh, tank starts to empty a little bit. Yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later, especially because like we're talking about somebody like Barkov looking hurt already at the end of the last series. The last series is really, really long, all that. Yeah, absolutely. And like that's the Panthers are going to be loving this break for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't really have anything else on that. I still think Leafs and six is going to be my prediction. I think the Leafs probably win game two. I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they took three and four in Florida, but even if they come back with the split, I, I just think the Leafs are the better team and are going to close it out. But I think the Panthers get one more probably. Yep. Yeah. Leafs and six sounds like a pretty good prediction there. Um, I, I one think thing that's I, what markets still have it at too. Yeah, that it seems about right. Like the, the Panthers are they're not as bad of a team as people um probably labeled them. And obviously it's still massive how like crazy the upset of Aaron Boston Bruins was, but they forecheck so tenaciously. Like it's oh yeah, they do. It's crazy. They're a very good offensive team still. Oh yeah, and like they were third in the league, I think, in Corsi four, and that was all driven off of offensive. Numbers. Yeah, um, I think they were second in just like pure goals too. Yeah, I remember correctly. They were just like fifteenth, sixteenth in goals against and stuff like that, which put them second in the league. So, um, yeah, like they're they're a great offensive team. It's just they are going to be very open to defensive woes, and I think a team like Toronto can still just take advantage of that. Yeah, they should be able to. Uh, on the other side of things, 3-1, the New Jersey Devils, we didn't actually end up talking about the series, I guess. The New Jersey Devils beat the Rangers convincingly in Game 7. Um, they bullied them. 
Like it was over from the puck drop almost. Like obviously it wasn't actually, but even after the first, it was two nothing, and it was like wow, like yeah, their like, levels kind of feel like they have this just under lock. It felt like they were like putting them down, like they're yeah. taking them out back, the sick animal out back to go go put shoot them. Like the only noteworthy thing was probably the Jacob Truba hit, which Timo Meyer's not playing in game one tonight, and they're currently losing three one with about ten minutes left in the third. Um, you and I talked about this hit off air, and again, I don't really think anyone's going to be surprised by our take here. It was legal by the rule book, but yeah. if that hit is legal, the rule book changed the damn rules. Yeah. Well, also, like context matters. Everyone watching the game knows exactly why Truba did that, and it's because Shostakov was going to take it out. Well, like I guess that's a hundred percent what it was, right? Well, I'm, I don't, I and just, just I saw people, in general. yeah, I just uh, trying to provide a spark to the team or whatever, but, it's, and like, I, I had an argue, big argument last night and, you know, someone I, I talk to all the time, like I respect and everything. They're like, well, what do you want him to do? It's like not hit him in the head. It's like, well, if he doesn't yeah. hit him in the head, he walks right past him. It's like, yeah, that's got to happen sometimes. Well, also like you, you don't say, what do you, what was he supposed to do? If you hooked a guy when he was like, well, he's either that or he gets right past him. It's like, yeah, he hooked him. Well, he, he doesn't get right by because he caught him with his head down, which made the hit worse. Um, or that's obviously why it happened, right? But what are they? What's like hockey one hundred and one when you teach a child to play defense? When does when does the defender make their poke check? When he puts his head down, then you can usually easily poke the puck off his stick, right? Like I'm thinking an NHL level defenseman could probably execute a poke check in that scenario. Yeah, or like especially Angle one him. who's making nine million dollars angle him towards one of the other two defenders who were there because it was a one-on-three. Yeah. And then there was back checker, back pressure from the forecheck, like the F1 there too, wasn't there? Yeah, like I just, my mind is blown out of people who are just like, well, what is he supposed to do? It's like, I don't know, but destroying a dude's brain is not the answer. Yeah, And like, that's, yeah, like, that's not it. I get like at some point, it's a tough question for people because it's like, well, yes, when do you put the onus on the guy getting hit? It's like, but in my opinion, unless you're no, and even that, like, we're never going to see a guy just skating around trying to get hit in the head or something to draw a penalty, you know? So it's like the owners, the onus has to be on the hitter. Yeah. Yeah. It, it always has to be on the hitter. And if the because you never way... need to hit someone, right? Like, if a no. dude's standing with his face to the board or his front to the boards and all you see is the back of his head, you don't run him. Because, yeah. of course, everyone intuitively understands you don't have to hit someone. And this one is even so much different, too, in terms of like, you see the ones where you go through a guy's chest and then up into the head. And like, I still think that should be a penalty as well. Like I would love to see them go to double IHF rules where any head contact is a penalty, but at the very least, like this, he just hit him straight in the head. There was no chest, no shoulder, no nothing, but NHL rules state that if a guy has his head down and he has to hit the head, he's allowed to hit the head. It's like, that shouldn't be how that works. Yeah. It's a bad rule. Yeah, and the so, worst is the amount of people who are just like pigs and shit, being like, "Well, it's clean hit. Look at the rules." It's like, "Yeah, fuck you. You know, it's against the spirit of the game in which we don't want human beings to damage their brains." Well, and also just like I, every time I hit like that happens, I always go like, "Who is actually enjoying this? Who yeah. watched that hit and went, oh, my night is better because I saw that hit. Exactly. I had like, more entertainment watching that hit.'" As a child, when I was a 12-year-old boy, I probably would have been hyped at that hit. Oh, absolutely. Love goes flying and it's huge, but now I'm an adult man that watched another adult man get something that could give him permanent brain damage, and that doesn't make me fucking happy anymore because I'm an adult. And, like, people are like, oh, if you don't like that hit, all hitting should be taken out of hockey. And it's like, no. Like, no, that hit was way more extreme yeah, than, like, the, every hit ever. The Leafs had... Four in their game, including three of the least laid last night, that I that were ten times cleaner than that. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that was a 99th percentile hit in terms of its potential to damage a human being's life. Yeah, <laughs> probably so, more. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, again, anyone listening to this podcast probably isn't surprised by our take, but still. Um, yeah. yeah I, before we preview the series, real quick, the, the Rangers, they kind of go all in, and I, I'm really absolutely dying at the, some of the revisionist history going out there when they got Kane and Tarasenko everyone's like this is exactly what they need they're loading up they're getting the big guys like look at just absolute master class how little they had to give up or whatever and now they're out and people go well should they have really gotten two offensive guys who are kind of old and kind of hurt and all they do is score it's like hmm if only people were pointing that out at the time of the trade 
not gloating about how big of a name they got. You know, for some reason, actually not for some reason, this part of it actually makes sense. Like statistics people take a ton of shit whenever a guy has good numbers on the third pair and then doesn't repeat it when he gets moved up. We got to do our victory laps. The Patrick Kane acquisition was exactly what people said it was going to be. Yeah, like he just he doesn't have it anymore. This wasn't the fact that the ability, like the RAPM model's inability to account for the Blackhawks not being a good team. Patrick Kane is who we thought he was. He mm-hmm. still has enough playmaking talent to put up some points, but like, yeah, he is exactly what any reasonable analytics person would have given you as their well thought out argument as to who Patrick Kane is. Yep, he's gonna have a couple games. Like he looked good in one and two when they were scoring on the power play and whatnot, and yeah, he can help your power play. play. And we would yeah. have always said that great puck mover. He still has the playmaking to be effective on the power play. He's been in the event. He didn't score much, but like he's been an effective shooter in the past. So maybe he could still be a good goal scorer to pot 20, yep. whatever. You're going to have games where even at five on five, he makes four nice plays and gets two points out of it. But yep. the majority of games, especially at five on five, he's going to be a liability out there defensively. And, and he doesn't seem to have the foot speed to be an efficient guy transitioning the puck on his own anymore. No. And I think a lot of that is the hip injury. Um, and who knows? Maybe but that's part of age. right? Exactly. Right. And like, maybe he can heal that a little bit this off season and, and come back. So he's a little better. He's more dynamic offensively next year, but it's been half a decade of us knowing that this dude can't play defense. And it's not because he's cheating to make offense or whatever the, narrative was for three or four years in Chicago there. Yeah, it's just this guy is not a defensive player and he's not good at it. That's no, okay. and that's yeah, like he's, he's a thirty NHL player, but yeah, 34 year old who peaked at a or was, you know, putting up 90 plus points on yeah, a bad Chicago team. And maybe he's a 35 year old who puts up 55 points next year for you. There's some effectiveness in that. But yeah, like it's an A, I don't think it's really what the Rangers needed, but B, it certainly wasn't after they went and got Tarasenko, who is copy, carbon, repeat, but not the ceiling that Patrick Kane had. Yeah. And two years younger, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Less less bad defensively, too, like less high highs, less low lows kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Just, just um, less extreme Patrick Kane, essentially. And the other guy who's taking a lot of heat is Alexi Lafreniere. Zero points in this series, man. You had a good P or um, yeah, good tweet about him and, and how he was probably should have been overrated or overhyped since his draft day. Um, you yeah, know, I feel kind of bad for him, actually. Yeah, like you say a lot of heat right now, and yeah, maybe it's one of those things where the expectations were just too high. But it's always tough too because like. Again, it's not just that. It's not like the, you know, even when Yakupov was a bust, you go back and you look at the rest of that draft. You go, well, who else were you taking first overall? Yeah, Yakupov was like, is my like thesis data used seven years out of sample? And Yakupov was like the ninth highest scoring player in the class. Yeah, and like, <laughs> even if you knew everything you knew about their NHL careers, you still look at that draft and go, there's not a lot of guys I'd really pick here. You know, yeah. whereas this draft, it already looks like there's a handful of guys, but especially Tim Stutzla, who was picked at number three. And it's like, ooh, yeah, no, that guy is way outperforming uh, what this guy is and yeah, would have been a much better pick. Jake Sanderson at five, you know, Drysdale has had his ups and downs, but, you know, even Cole Perfetti, Marco Rossi, like there's just a bunch of names. Anton Lundell's a name all the way at 12 that like is performing Lundell better. Than scored him. laugh in his draft year. Yep, like so. Yeah, it's one of those things where maybe the yeah, like exactly, and like the maybe maybe the analysis was off from the start, but like he is getting and he was still a great prospect and everything, but just like he should have been viewed as a fairly weak first overall pick. And I remember people there was talk about him being like maybe generational, and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, he that is very very aggressive. Yeah, like. Yeah, as close as comparable. Yeah, Yakupov. Like, Yakupov was an unlucky outcome for how good of a prospect he was, but like, that would be a large warning sign to me. Yep. So Lafreniere's an RFA this summer. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, UFAs are Tarasenko, Kane, and Tyler Mott, all three guys that they acquired at the deadline. Um, hey, Andre Miller is also an RFA this year. Uh, and then Nico Mikola is a UFA. And same with the Arslav Halak at the backup position. So, um, 
They do have some buyout money coming off the books. 1.4 of Kevin Shattenkirk. Can you name the other two buyouts that they have on the books? Or three, technically, but Brad Richards is one at $0. Can you name the other two people they're paying money to? I'll give you a hint. They're both defensemen. I have no idea, to be honest. One is pretty... Re- Tony D'Angelo, 883K. His money's coming okay, off yeah, the books. Makes sense. I forgot about that, yeah. Dan Girardi is the other name. Yuck. That's a yeah. back. 1.111111 uh, is coming out the book. So they're getting about $3.5 million off the books in uh, um, buyout money. So that'll help $1.5 million of uh, Halax money. I would assume most of that goes to K. Andre Miller, uh, who will probably get a couple million dollar raise for sure. Uh, Nico Miko yeah. is making 1.9. I can't imagine they re-sign him for that. Uh, Tyler Mott, they'll probably let walk. Be interested to see what happens with a guy like Patrick Kane and and where he sees his future, if he's like, I could see Patrick Kane doing the 900K for a cup kind of thing, if he feels yeah, his team too. is still there. And clearly wants to win one. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and makes sense for him too. And the Rangers, by all accounts, were one of the only teams he was really looking to go to. So, yeah, now I could definitely see that. Maybe that opens up a little more in the summer. You know, like oh, God forbid. If the Tampa Bay Lightning come calling and say, "Hey, we got a spot on our third or fourth line or whatever," but run our second power play on that. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I could see him probably resigning for cheap. Uh, Phil Cheadle gets a two million dollar raise this off season, um, and then Tarasenko. I kind of think Tarasenko is going to walk. Uh, I still think he might be looking for another deal somewhere, but um, that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. So definitely some minor changes, but some guys to pay. Lafreniere and Keandre Miller contracts are the biggest ones. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Quickly on to the uh, Devils and Hurricanes. Devils are down 4-1 as we are speaking right now. And the game is basically over. So um, uh, unless there is just an absolute collapse, I think it is probably fair to say the Hurricanes are going to go up one nothing in this series. Um, I took the Devils in seven. Um, and I think we had mentioned that even with the Rangers or Devils, we would take them in seven just because of how hurt Carolina is. No Timo Meyer definitely makes me sway my opinion a little bit. Um, I think this will be a pretty deep series regardless. So I have a hard time seeing the Devils just get knocked out in four or five or anything. Yeah, they're they're too good at five on five for how hurt Carolina is. Yeah, I think the Devils in seven. I think that's what I actually had in my bracket. I think I had that half of it. The uh, biggest thing I think to keep an eye on will be Akira Schmid. He got pulled today after three goals on 11 shots. Obviously, he was absolutely amazing. No one's expecting him to be a um, 940 goaltender like he was last series, but he definitely can't be a 727 like he was tonight. Yeah. Because the the one thing that's going to be tough for New Jersey is they, they will need to get some more scoring because, you know, we mentioned that it, it was funny. Like, we we predicted it pretty well. And, like, I had talked about on the preview, too, how, like, the biggest thing I want to see between Devils Rangers was the Rangers had a great power play and we know their top end talent can get it done, but the Devils are so good at five on five. Do they overpower the Rangers? And that's exactly how that played out. Even though it didn't yep. look like it at first, that is exactly how that series played out. Which it took was a bit, but yep. But now the Devils are playing an equally good five on five team and in the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. So maybe better. Yes, yeah, exactly. So they're they're going to need to score goals when they can, and their power play is going to both teams. Their power play is going to get going, but these teams match each other so well in terms of very deep at five on five. You know, just everyone plays their role perfectly. Um, I the reason I give the Devils the edge is just because where the injuries are with Carolina, I'm a little still a little worried about their scoring punch. But um, both blue lines are really solid, like to jump up in the play and make life tough on everyone. So I think this will be a really good series. Yeah, they're fun teams. Very weird for the amount of people talking about like a heavy, heavy hockey in the playoffs or whatever, because neither of them are really that, but they'll be fun. No, they're more just like solid, like four checking teams, but yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely not like heavy. Uh, Carolina plays a little heavier, I think, than maybe we think of them as, but yeah, the the uh, Devils have to, re- not have, but part of the reason they want to bring Timo Meyer in is he brought some size to the team as well, which was, and obviously the scoring touch is very, very important with that size. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, good to do all. Yeah, Timo Myers is going to be huge. I, it kind of sounded like he was a game-time decision today, so I can't imagine he'll be out much longer than another game or so. Um, maybe he sits out game two, but I would be a little surprised if he's not back in the lineup by game three. 
Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he's back as soon as possible. I'm not 100 percent sure on that at all, but yeah. Um, all right. Um, do you have anything else on this series that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, not really. Playoff Freddy started again tonight. Series. Yes, yes, he did. So uh, <laughs> it's it's nice being a neutral observer of second round series while the Leafs are still uh, Leafs are still in. It's weird. You're still in, you're still invested to watch too. Just why if they? I, I remember the the least invested of a Stanley Cup final I've ever been in my entire entire life is when Ottawa lost in double overtime to the Pens. Yeah, because yeah. I was so and usually. Oh, it'd be so dejecting especially because they're that close right i was so invested in that entire playoff run and then like yeah like all you could do all i could do especially because the pens were winning and like obviously it's not as simple as just other team there they also win but like that was the year where Rennie was just crapping himself in the in the finals as well oh and like yeah he had dragged that not dragged but helped massive reason the national team gets in then just shits the bed it's like Oh, Ottawa would have so won this series if they. And then you're just watching, going, "Why not us? Why it couldn't have been us?" Eh? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. I literally like. I, I I remember watching Game Six when it ended at your house, and that was maybe the only game of the series I watched because I I just I couldn't bring myself to watch Games One or Two, knowing that it was Ottawa that could have been there. But that's um, absolutely fair. Usually, that's me with the entire second round. Because yeah, exactly. The first yeah. round. Yeah. As soon as your team's out, it's like, oh, well, now I I was so invested for that first round, it, it feels almost. Hard to to match that energy for the second, but uh, yeah, yeah. All right. Before we move on to the West, uh, I'd like to we'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Signature AG One has the highest quality ingredients, strictest manufacturing standards, uh, and more. Made of seventy five of the highest quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source nutrients in the world, and manufactured to the strictest quality standards. It is even NSF certified for sport. Uh, robust certification process that involves ingredient and finished batch testing of AG1. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. All right, on to the West, uh, where we'll start with the uh, game that has taken place, and that is the Seattle Kraken and Dallas Stars. The Kraken take a 1-0 lead in the series after a wild game uh, against Dallas, 5-4 in overtime. Uh, Pavelski comes back and has four goals in the game, and they still can't win. Um, It was yeah, it was 4-2 after one for the Kraken. Just a crazy game. I didn't get to watch the end of this. I went to bed after the first. Um, I can't imagine anyone's – not. I shouldn't say anyone. I can't imagine too many players have had four goals in a playoff game and lost the game. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. I, I went to bed after the second goal. I was like, yeah, I'm kind of tired. Don't need to uh, – don't need to watch. Sorry, up two nothing. Dallas probably a better team. Nah, whatever. Yeah, the, what the Kraken stormed back, and uh, man, I I don't know. I keep underrating this team, and they keep proving me wrong. So, um, you know, I I, I kind of I went in thinking Dallas and six. I'll probably still keep that as well. But this Kraken, we talk about Florida having a good forecheck. This Kraken forecheck is just insane. Yeah, they're a fun team. It's like they're they score a lot of goals actually. Oh yeah, like they—they're really roster. Yeah, and, and it's spread out too. Like again, if I would have told you last night, how many players do you think on the Kraken had multi-point games in a five-goal night last night? There was one. It was Jordan Everly with one goal and one assist. No one else had more than one point, but eleven players had one point. Yeah, just everybody chipping in. Yeah, exactly, that's and that's cool. just that's been their motto all year. Um, no, I can't remember who was talking about. It. I was listening. Someone made a good point today that, um, or, or this week that we probably don't give the Kraken enough credit for how cool this run is, just because we saw Vegas do something in their first year. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. It's just unnecessary expectations. Yep, but like, yeah, if Vegas wasn't there and the Kraken in year two knocked off the defending Stanley Cup champions, that would have been. Obviously, it wouldn't quite be the story of Vegas, but it would be just as close to as big. Oh, it would be huge. It would be the story of the league. Yeah, and now it's like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, well, sure. and it doesn't help that the the Boston upset happened too, so it kind of gets overshadowed. Yeah. Even, yeah. That's a good point. And even like, just like this is the year Toronto got it done and everything, so there's been so many talking points, right? But Yeah, yeah 100%. There's just a lot of other stuff going on. But uh, yeah, no, this should be um, an exciting series as well. Um, 
I again, I don't know how many nights that Philip Grubauer and he didn't play amazing last night, but he stopped 31 of 35. Uh, Jake Ottinger, 39 of 44. Like, I just don't know how many nights you're gonna get five pack Jake Ottinger, but this four check was just again so dynamic from the Seattle Kraken that I don't really think it was Jake Ott- or yeah, Ottinger's fault necessarily. They just that's how good they were. Yeah, Kraken can score, doesn't really matter who's in that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, with Pavelski back, I, I again, I, I like the star's chance. Kind of probably feels bad that you wasted a four-goal performance out of the dude and still didn't get the win. But, um, again, this is one where I would be lying if I said I would be – like, I'd be pretty surprised if Dallas didn't go tie it up 2-2 in Dallas um, tomorrow night. Yes. I would – I'm still pretty comfortable betting on Dallas or, in the long run. Yeah, sorry. 1-1, one, one, obviously, is what I meant. But, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I, I just, it, to me, it'd be foolish, especially, you know, you have a one, nothing lead. So the, the least amount of games, it could be five is Seattle, if Seattle loses, but yeah, I just think it'd be super foolish if anyone's still going like Seattle's going to get blocked in this series. Yep. They're good. It'll be a feisty out if, uh, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then on the other one, the only series that hasn't started yet as a recording, but it'll obviously game one will be done when people are listening to this. And that is the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, I'm really excited for this one. I, I think it should be um, a very solid series um, between, you know, two two good teams. Obviously, McDavid tries out on much watch hockey. Uh, and then the, the Golden Knights look really good. You know, they started off slow in game one and then, just got chugging against a Winnipeg team. So I'll be interested to see how this one plays out. Um, I kind of, I really want to see how Vegas deploys their players to try and shut down McDavid versus Dreisaitl and what Edmonton does if they play them on the same line or different. I would assume they, them. I assume they start split up and then if things go bad, they go to that super line. But if they split things up, I, I'm really, I'm assuming Chandler Stevenson will get one matchup and, Mark Stone's line, a Mark Stone led line will get the other. It's quite a sentence. Hey, Chandler Stevenson will take one of that. It's true, but it sounds weird. Yeah, yeah, that would that would make sense. As I think, I don't know, maybe and like maybe Jack Eichel just they put him against one of the time. I feel like if you're Vegas, so the best chance for success is trying to get Jack Eichel as easy a man, not easy as man's as he can, but in that in that sense, right? Like try and get him feasting off that lower competition. Yeah, I think you try to start that way and see if you can just survive the the onslaught at evens. And then you hope that Eichel can break three on not he's not depth, obviously, but you know what I mean that's in there. Yeah, absolutely. They're gonna need some huge series from Theodore and Petrangelo. They're both probably gonna have to play closer to the peaks of what they we know from them. Oh, a hundred percent, especially. Theodore, given somebody's going to have to skate with McDavid. That's the thing. It's like, I'm really worried about a Petrangelo Alec Martinez pair against either of McDavid or Dreisaitl, but especially McDavid. Yeah, it's it's always worth remembering to try to not overrate like specific matchup things. But God, when one of them's McDavid, it just seems difficult to overstate how much of a pain in the ass that's going to be for Vegas. Yeah, they're another like sneaky good five on five team where they just play with a lot of structure and everything. It's a Bruce Cassidy led team, like of course they're going yeah. to. But um, yeah, and all their numbers are pretty underrated this year because Stone missed half the year and they still look pretty good. Yep, exactly. But the but again, like how much can you dance around before Connor McDavid, Leon Seidel, and Vander Kane, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, etc., shooting against Laurent Brossois comes back to bite you? Yeah, it kind of feels inevitable, but. McDavid's just gonna end up feels inevitable if my team's going to the cup final right now. It's way too early to say something like that, but there's a lot of talk about you know there could be a Canadian team in the cup. And like it makes sense. Like if you I'm assuming if you just went by any model, like Money Puck or whatever, like most models have Toronto as the most likely team to make the finals, which I think is fair just based off who they're playing. They're the best team left. Yeah. Honestly, not super close with how Carolina's how hurt Carolina is. Yeah, like Edmonton's the only other team you would really I, I like Dallas when they're clicking as well, but yeah, like Toronto's better. Um Money Puck surprising has Edmonton the most at 23.6% to win the cup, but 41% to make the finals. 
Um, and then they have Florida at 30% to make the finals right now. Cause I think they're, le- they like to lean really aggressive into like a one, nothing series lead, which makes sense. Yeah, it's fair enough. And then yeah, Carolina's at 26% to make the finals and Toronto at 23.7. So like Edmonton has a 41% chance. Toronto has a 23.7% chance, you know, that's pretty good odds considering we're only in the second round. It's best Canada had in a very long time. Literally, probably since tw- well, I guess the Habs didn't make the finals. Um, True, I've been so- I've hand recorded every every uh, playoff series result of the past decade for for a study that I'm kind of longer term than I'm studying. God, the amount of bad teams that have won playoff series pissed me <laughs> off relative to the fact that the Leafs just won one. Yeah, it's like uh, garbage Philly teams in there for that, and the Habs, and just. Well, even just like, I get they play quote unquote playoff hockey or whatever. Islanders making back to back conference. Yeah, Islanders. Yeah, and like the year the the Capitals won the cup, they weren't even great. It was their worst team in a decade, almost. Like, yeah, and even like the Dale Hunter team, Caps teams, which were like the worst Caps teams we had seen up until that point, were still winning series. God, it was it was an infuriating experience. Even just like it's funny looking at it of this Panthers team knocks off Boston and just this Panthers team looked horrible last year in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. You know, we we were pretty high on them coming in and both you and I went, I don't want to overreact too much to six games, but an injured and bad Washington team just made this Panthers team look really human. And then sure enough, they get swept by the lightning. Now, I'll still maintain that sweep was probably unlucky in the grand scheme of things, but they got swept by the lightning. And yeah, now they're dramatic, but. They've already won more games in round two this year than they won all of last year. So, yep, makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, they're a what 30 point different team this year. Just funny, but that's absurd. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back to this Edmonton Vegas series. Um, there's not too much more. Like, I, I just, I, I, I wonder what Edmonton's depth looks like as well, because I, I thought against LA that's where LA could really expose Edmonton. And it was almost the other way around. Um, yeah, it was. Eh? It, it was strange. It was a weird like, series. And I don't think Vegas's depth is near as strong as LA. So if Edmonton's can play as well as they did against LA, like, I don't know. I, I do like Edmonton in the series. I'm going to go. I want to say seven. What did I say for the other series? I said Dallas on six. I guess I said the Devils in seven, Leafs in six. I said Edmonton in seven. I could really see Edmonton in six, though, in this. Hell, I could even see Edmonton in five. I don't think it'll be that, but I think if it's going to be a four or five game series, it's going to be Edmonton winning. I don't see Vegas like sweeping, if that makes sense. Yes, I'm with you on that. I would I would go Edmonton in seven, probably. Yeah, I th- that's what I said yesterday, so I'll, I'll stick with that as well. Um, you know, I, I do think this uh, Vegas team is good, but like you have Logan Thompson who hasn't played in months, Laurent Brossois, who was fine, but is a 30 year old career backup, Jonathan Quick, who just looks washed, and Aiden Hill. So take your pick in net there. Like that, that alone could sink this series for Vegas, you know? Oh, he's a well, Vegas team too, but I don't really care who wins. I, 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 I genuinely don't care, actually, because like, I don't really care for the last Canadian team standing thing, but I, I do want to see McDavid and Drysaddle have success. That's fair. Yeah, especially it's fun. You can throw lead and everything, too. Yeah, exactly. And especially because, like, I I want McDavid to success more now than I even did in past years. Because past years, it's like, if they had success, they took the wrong lessons out of it. Like, McDavid going God mode for three weeks. They're like, oh, it's because we got this shit sixth defenseman on our team. We need to add more. We need to add more Duncan Keats. Whereas, like, at least this year they went and got actual bottom six forwards and Matthias Ekholm for that has completely changed their team. And if they have success this year, it's like, well, hopefully you at least take some of the right lessons out of this. And then if McDavid gets like goes to the Cup final or or you know, God forbid, gets a cup, people can already start to shut up about the well. He'll never be the goat if he doesn't win. Yeah, as if that's something he can control, right? Yeah, as if it's McDavid's fault that he plays on a poorly managed team. Yeah, exactly. So, 
Um, it actually destroys my mind that human beings think that's true, by the way. It's it's just so strange, especially because you go, like, when you talk it out logically, they usually come to a conclusion of, like, oh, yeah, well, there's nothing he could have done. It's like, yeah. okay, but then, like, why are you holding it against him? It's like, well, then why does it matter? Yeah, yeah it's like, well, he's got to get it done. It's like, but you just said he physically, there's nothing he could physically do more. Yeah, there's, there's probably a study to be done on this. People seem to think it's okay to not use any logic when thinking about sports for some reason that you would never use elsewhere. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fandom, right? Like, yeah, but like people will argue it as if like it is something they actually believe, and they just yeah, yeah, it definitely depends. Thinking skills that you know they have from other domains. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely fair, and definitely depends on the context. Because yeah, like you wouldn't have anyone like blindly arguing about taxes or whatever the way they they argue about does the 13th forward of their favorite hockey team make the difference or not yeah exactly but yeah um only other real talking we didn't touch on it last episode uh daryl sutter's fired by the calgary flames i'm a little surprised just because his contract was just they just extended him this summer uh this past season sorry didn't they they choose the gm over him essentially or Uh, i know the gm's gone as well they chose him like him over the GM though. Um, that was kind of made me sound. Yeah, like, I don't like the GM stepped away. Um, Brad Trilliving. So I'm kind yeah. of wondering if Trilliving just didn't want to do it anyways. Like there has been That's rumors fair. for a couple months that he would maybe be stepping away. So I can't say like I'm shocked, well, well, but good for him. Yeah, I was surprised they fired. So I kind of figured. With how respected he is, they would just do the classic. We're bumping him to a front office role, and then you just never really hear of him so again. The, the Sutters are like so intertwined in the flames. Yeah, I'm not but, sure where that started, but the Sutters have like always been. And like there. Sutter only came back, like it didn't even really sound like he wanted to come back and coach originally. He only came back because it was this job. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a little surprised, but. Um, I don't think it's unreasonable. I think they were good. They they got unlucky definitely this year. And like, I don't really know what Daryl Sutter's supposed to do with Jacob Markstrom being an eight ninety goalie. But on the other hand, you could probably argue he shouldn't have played him sixty five games or whatever it is the past two years. Yeah, it's the one problem with those. Like they were still a dominant XG team despite the fact that they lost their two best players and stuff. Like, yeah, like that's I don't what, like, know what they were... you expect. They were unlucky this year. Like if they make, if they kick Seattle or someone out of the playoffs again next year, assuming they don't make any like massive changes, I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone. Yeah, like I've seen smart people be like, "Oh well, he was great last year, but he deserved to get fired this year." And it's like, well, you kind of have to just acknowledge that he should control things out that we know are completely out of his control to say he deserved to get fired. And it's weird to me that people are willing to. Yeah, I mean, like. Yeah, like I do get it, and then, but, and then, uh, yeah, because like, I look back at like the quote on was it on um, Connor Zari, who they called up or no, yeah. what the hell did they call? Yeah, yeah it, it was, was Connor Zari, right? And like I thought he played okay, like, but he only played him eight minutes. He's like, yeah, he was invisible out there. It's like, wow, yeah, way to build a kid's confidence. Great job. Yeah. Like, well, the problem is right, like maybe a coach that develops young players best for the team, but like. In terms of winning hockey games today, which is what most coaches try to do, you're down seven. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I think it's fine that they move away from him. I, I also, like, Sutter to me kind of feels like a guy who probably does have the cliche of his message probably gets a little tired after a while. Yep. Oh. Because, um, yeah, he, uh, everything, like, People say he's a great coach to play for, but he is demanding. So when you're demanding and winning, it's all good. When you're demanding and losing, it's uh, not going to be as fun, you know? Yes. yes so, um, yeah, other than that, I don't have a ton. People are really mad that Florida is banning Canadian residents from buying tickets. I didn't really understand Pretty the other. Up- yeah, like uh, it's definitely been done in the past. Um you can argue it's kind of pointless because Toronto fans are going to find their way down there anyways. And that's fair. But like, I saw like people posting on Facebook, genuinely outraged about this. It's like, you're not going, you don't care. You're sitting in the greater Kitchener Waterloo area, watching from your ass on your couch. What's it like? I mean, on the one hand, it's funny and people like, 
very like it makes sense. But <laughs> I don't know. I think it's smart from the team's perspective. Yeah, I yeah. probably try to preserve the mice. Yeah, I mean it's a, yeah, it depends what you're uh, like it, it depends what the, the ultimate I guess it depends what the ultimate outcome is because if the ultimate outcome is just purely this ownership wants to make as much money as it can I don't think it is smart but if no. it's let's try and sell to our fan base yeah we're trying to pack the building with as many Panthers fans as we can or whatever yeah, I, I think it's fair enough yeah. like whatever I feel like you have a borderline like moral responsibility to your players to try to get them home fans to their home playoff game like, yeah. I think that makes sense and like, a little dramatic to say it's a moral responsibility, but you know what I mean there. Yeah. The one thing I don't really understand is why it's a – I guess, like, they probably were. But, like, the building was half Bruins fans all around one. They didn't do anything to stop that. Yeah. But, but I, I guess – It would be – If they think it's – If it's half game. Bruins fans, it'll probably be 90% Leaf fans. Of the, <laughs> yeah. And, like, I honestly, I still think it'll be over half Leaf fans, to be completely honest. But, um, yeah, I don't like yes. – I just – I guess the thing is, like, even if you think it is stupid, which fair, whatever, I'm not going to argue with that. I just couldn't imagine like losing sleep over this or anything. Yeah, like, imagine it's... being actually angry about it. Unless, like, you specifically were going to go down to Florida and this screwed you out of a ticket. Like, you just, yeah, for whatever be... reason, could not find a way around this and you were now screwed. That is the but... only reason I would get being upset. Yeah, but other than that, it's like, that's nah, a little dumb. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. But like, yeah, like, I'm not going to make a Facebook post about it. No, I'm not making an anything post about it. No, like, uh, nah, yeah, Twitter also confuses me in the sense that, like, I don't know, I just, like, I guess I just don't have a take on the thing, as many things as some people. But you I can know, throw, just, fine. Go, sorry, keep going. Boys. Oh, I didn't really have a coherent thought there. So what were you going to say? I was just saying, you can throw any take on Twitter, like just any subject on Twitter, and people will have a take on it. Yeah, like, I don't know. It feels like there's a lot of people who would refuse to be agnostic on anything. Like, it's okay to just look at something and go, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I agree. I just thought, like, I've honestly tried to do it a little more. Where there's sometimes where I have a full reply type someone, I go, is this really worth it? Is this <laughs> yeah, really worth this? Yeah, is this really worth my time to put into this? No, it's not. I just delete it yeah. and move on. Yeah, but. it's it's so weird that people just and same with you see the the Leafs fan thing, uh, yeah, or the yep. fake the Leafs troll. People are like losing their minds about that. So I don't know, and it's. I, I think that's hilarious. Yeah, if I had, the, if I like, I'm assuming the guy's pretty loaded. He's going to multiple Leafs game and has oh, a ton of jerseys to wear. If I was a rich millionaire living in Toronto and I'm a diehard Suns I'd probably do the same thing. I'd just go down and like wear the opposite jersey every time because you know you're getting on TV. That's hilarious. Yeah, well, 100% a lot. I'm like, yeah, I don't know. People are talking about it as if they're like mentally ill. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Going to a Leafs game. They're probably hockey fans. I would buy yeah. tickets. If I I've lived been to close. Th- I've been to three Leafs games just because I, like my work gets tickets or whatever. I've been to three Leafs games in the past year and a half, and I haven't cared for any of the teams that have been playing really. But the one yeah. night they were and playing like, the Lightning, I have a Stephen Samkos jersey. I want my Stephen uh, Samkos jersey down there. Well, hundred percent. And even like, I don't know, if Sun Life tomorrow is like you're moving to Arizona. I would go to Coyotes games and I would yeah. wear my Devils hat when they're playing the Devils and I would wear my Leafs jersey when they're playing the Leafs and fuck, I might even wear an Avs jersey when they're playing the Avs or something. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. go and who cares? I just, yeah, I cannot imagine people are like, I like, I heard people are generally mad at this person. It's like, they're not affecting well, People are like in analyzing any how often they go to games and stuff. It's like, who fucking cares? Yeah, like, it doesn't matter unless you're like the only reason it matters is if you're like, hey, here's a funny story or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah there's, there's people it legitimately it's, angry. It's it's, oh, it's magical. The world is a is a beautiful place. Yes, it really is. <laughs> so uh let's wrap it up there, Chase. Um lots of great hockey ahead of us still. I'm really excited. Uh, for the next couple of weeks here, the schedule is very spread out. That's, uh, I guess, the the only other thing we don't really need to talk about too long. But uh, only one game Friday, one game Saturday. That's very strange. Three games Sunday, and then I think one game Monday maybe even as well. So um, definitely spreading out the second round, which uh, 
give us a lot to analyze, you know, game over game. And uh, we'll still be going for everyone Monday, Thursday, uh, anywhere you find your podcast. So you can find all my work at lastrunhockey.com covering, as I mentioned, the Leafs uh, Panther series. So have an analysis after game three and maybe a couple more throughout the series. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66, theactionnetwork.com, and his Substack. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week.